Say, say it again. Hello, swag it's your bitch boy, I think I said. Yeah. <laughs> What's a bitch boy? Me. <laughs> a little bitch boy. But what makes you a bitch boy? I don't know. I'm a little bitch boy. I'm so putting this at the front of the episode. Ugh. Flat beer. Just after brushing my teeth. Nothing like it. Ew. Coming to you from the southern plague lands of Australia, it's the Fuck Me Dead Show. Do, 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 do. <laughs> Woo! Woo! Featuring me. That's CJ. And. <laughs> as CJ. <laughs> yep. CJ as CJ. I'm Amanda. And tonight, we bring you more aliens. This is true. And more dumb arrests. And we had more planned, but. <laughs> Amanda went overboard again with her story. Um, look, I think at this point, what is it, 34 episodes in, I think it's obvious that brevity is not my strong suit. Because it took 34 episodes to get here, it's even more of a point. <laughs> yeah, so I mentioned at the end of last week's episode that I was going to continue on our alien UFO theme and do <laughs> and do Frederick Valentich. Um, <laughs> the notes blew out and... Is very long. <laughs> so that's the only story I'm going to do in this episode. And then is... assuming it doesn't run too long, I'm going to throw one I had prepared on the end. If not, yeah. everything I had planned, you'll definitely hear. If not this week, next week. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm I'm sort of sorry, but this is a juicy story. So I'm also not sorry at the same time. Thick, to put it into yeah. lingo. It's, it's a weird one. So just prepare yourselves. <laughs> and it takes place in the 70s, so you know it's weird. Yeah, exactly. Because the 70s were weird. But before we get into that, how are you? Yeah. <laughs> I went to work this week. It was pointless. And now I don't have to go to work next week. And I saved Yay? I saved everyone else in my position from having to go to work. Well, that's good. I suppose so, yeah. There was no, there was no reason for me to be there. As the week went on and they implemented more stuff for this new stage four here in Victoria, it, it, it was just less and less for me to do. The only good thing I got out of it was that I just sat there all day reading news stories. So I had stories ready to go instead of having to find them today. And I get next week off again. Yay? Question yeah. mark? On the downside, the next time I step into that building, my classmates will be gone. Well, that's a bit sad. It is a bit sad. Especially because two of them are going back to Brisbane when they graduate. So, don't so know. you really won't see them? Yeah, I won't see them possibly ever again. Sad. Yeah, but that's happened a lot in my life. Wow, okay, that's depressing. I moved schools every year. Yeah, same. But yeah, still. you know what I was like then. My fringe is too long. I haven't had a haircut since mid-March. And my fringe is just always in my eyes now. I've cut Help. your fringe for you. At least you have, twice. but it's it's just it's getting out of control. Let's shave my head. Let's go full ISO crazy. I mean, that's what I did. <laughs> okay, I'm joking, but I definitely need a haircut at some point. Driving me crazy. We'll just tie it into a ponytail and I'll just cut it off halfway up. Yeah, that's going to work. Yeah, <laughs> it will. It It'll be fine. But yeah, uh, I guess the only thing that's really happened since last week, apart from your work adventures, is that Melbourne is on stage four restrictions. Which happened just as we recorded last week's episode. So yeah. we already spoke about it. Oh, yeah. Remember? I forget what time is. Mm-hmm. I figured it's out round. yesterday that I actually haven't left. There's clocks around. I haven't left the house in almost three weeks at all. Seriously? Yeah. Like coming this Wednesday will be three weeks. I haven't stepped foot outside of this house in that time. The Not furthest even, you've been is the mailbox. Yeah, the first I've been is the mailbox. I don't know when. Like, Not even I start on your state-sanctioned walk. 
I haven't even... Well, we've we have got a treadmill. treadmill now, so I don't need to. And I take the bins out, so you don't even have that. No. I'm just wondering when the cabin fever sets in. I feel okay right now. I mean, we don't live in a cabin, so it should be all right. Yeah, that's how that works. <laughs> anyway... <laughs> We got a long adventure ahead of us today. We do. And some of us won't be coming back from it. Spoilers. I am um, I I don't know. I feel like the Frederick Valentich story is a bit weird. I feel like a lot of people haven't heard of it. No, I would say it's not very well known. Which I'm surprised about since it's such a weird story. Yeah. Even I, I asked about it once in my job and they didn't know about it. Just for clarification, CJ works at the airport. I work at the airport. So you would think that they would know. It is a 41-year-old story now. I guess, but it's like, it's it's a weird one. Mm. Like, I would think that it would stand out. Especially when you're talking about, like, air traffic control is- incidents and, like, weird stuff there. You think that it would come up. I, I mean, don't know how many years Australia I has. I don't think the general public realises how often things go wrong during flight. Not lots of major things, you know. Like, obviously people hear about whenever an airplane goes down. Yeah, but that but also of- makes it ordinary to the people that have to talk to them. I so. So, like, this one is... Out, still outside mm, of the ordinary. I guess. Uh, I, I suspect, but I feel like there's lots of claims from pilots who think they see UFOs and things. I mean, okay, no, let's clarify. They definitely are seeing something. Therefore, it is an unidentified flying object. Yeah, like, I'll give them that. I'm, I'm not actually insinuating that what we're about to talk about is aliens. Mm. Like, it literally is a UFO. It's an unidentified flying object. A bird you don't recognize is a UFO. <laughs> Does that count? In a broad sense, it definitely counts. <laughs> if you cannot identify the bird, it's an unidentified flying object. I mean, I guess. We just happen to know the object is a bird. <laughs> so I don't know if I... Re- did we really say what this story is about? Or did we just start launching We, we sort of just started talking about So oh. today you're going to tell us the story of Fred Valen- Valentich. Valentich. And he is famous for possibly being abducted. Yeah. I mean, that pretty much sums it While up. While flying his plane. I would say that it's one of the... I, w- I wouldn't say well-known, maybe infamous uh, mm-hmm. UFO stories in Australia. We don't have a lot. So, you know, the ones that we do have, Did you if you're that? interested in that kind of thing, are well-known, you I guess. Might, you might have missed it. There was a TV show on ABC years ago about these English kids who got abducted while on holiday in Australia. I think it was called like Jeopardy or something like that. Okay. It was weird. But they, I think they drew on some stories here. Like there was a scene, like it was reported that before they went missing and woke up like two weeks later in the outback, the last anyone saw of them was they were walking into the ocean with some man. Ugh. Doesn't that bring up, what's those kids who went missing on the beach? Bowman kids? Yeah. Anyway, it was a weird show. Ugh. Okay. Um, that also gives me like picnic at hanging rock vibes. Did you ever see the movie? No. Or read the book? Um, but they definitely, this took place more in like Queensland and stuff. I remember they right, went to the glasshouse okay. mountains and shit. So. Okay. Maybe I should talk about Picnic at Hanging Rock. This is giving me more ideas because there's some contention about whether that's a true story or not. We could go and film it on location. I mean, we could. I don't want to do that, though. Also, we wouldn't be filming anything. And two, it's definitely breaching stage <laughs> yeah, four lockdown. Definitely. Um, at the moment. But, I mean, it's it's fascinating because th- there is some theories that it's actually a true story. Huh? Picnic at Hanging Rock. I thought it was a story that happened. See, that's what I mean. I don't know anything about it. I just thought it was a thing that happened in Australian history. There you go. <laughs> okay. Yeah, there's there's sort of like some debate as to whether it, it was a true story or if it wasn't. Yeah, maybe I should cover it at some point because it's actually pretty interesting. Hmm. How, um, what, like okay, I won't spoil it. But, uh, <laughs> Look forward to that in the future, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> I'll write that down on my list of ideas and uh, we'll come back to it at some point. But today we're going to continue on the UFO thing that I'm on right now. <laughs> All right. 
I actually really love this story just because it is so open-ended. We will never have the answer as to what happened to him. Oh, I wouldn't say that. Um, I mean, I think it's pretty likely that it's, you know, what... Shock twist. I'm going to be the skeptic in this. <laughs> Look, honestly, even I, you know, I've heard about this story before. I did a lot of research today. Like I spent most of today researching this and I still don't really have an opinion. I, I don't know what happened to him. Like, I don't, I don't know what the real answer is. It's very confusing. I, I wouldn't say we'll never know because I still believe it's quite possible we could find his plane. Maybe. But before also, we go too far into giving our opinions, perhaps we should just actually talk about the story. I should it. tell you yeah. the story. Yes. <laughs> okay. You ready? You ready yes. for start? Frederick Valentich was a 20-year-old pilot. Now, I actually hadn't heard anyone mention that detail before. I did have no idea he was that fucking young. Yeah, because I have listened to... You You played a podcast on this story for me mm. once, which is why I do know a bit about it. And in that podcast, they played the recording, so I've heard his voice. Yeah. Uh, we won't be doing that today. Yeah, we won't be doing that. Um, I'll explain why later. But, yeah, I wouldn't have picked 20. I would have thought he was a bit older. No, like, and I don't think I've ever heard anyone else ever mention his age, but he, he was only 20, which is kind of crazy to think about a 20-year-old being a pilot. You can <laughs> legally fly a plane by yourself in Australia before you can drive. Wow. Okay, that's terrifying. <laughs> yeah, you can get your pilot's license at 14. <sighs> okay. He had received his private pilot's license in February of 1977. Okay. Uh, but he desperately wanted to either be a pilot in the Air Force or to be a commercial pilot. So, like, he was pretty set on his uh, career. He wanted to be a pilot. That was it. That was all he wanted to do. Um, I feel like that's quite common for pilots. Yeah, that they're very uh, dedicated to. You've got to be. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Y you don't get in <laughs> otherwise. Being a pilot is... It's not easy. I know it's not easy to become it's one. It's not easy and it's expensive because mm. you've got to pay your own way to get in there. Yeah. Um, yeah, which is why internationally there's a pilot shortage. Obviously not a problem right now. <laughs> yeah, I don't think anyone's worried about that now. record drop in flights, but yeah, the industry has been struggling with a pilot shortage for the past few years because it's too oh, hard wow, to get I through. I didn't know that. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, he was super keen on becoming a pilot. I don't know how expensive it was back then, but I assume the equivalent of how expensive it would be today. Oh, it was probably a fair amount cheaper. We're talking oh, really? like multiple hundreds of thousands of dollars these days. Oh, Jesus. Okay. Yeah, you <laughs> must really love planes if you want to become a pilot. <laughs> so Fred, he was from Melbourne uh, or specifically Avondale Heights, which I didn't know where that was. And it's actually not far from us at all. <laughs> Oh, okay. It's right next to Maribyrnong, like the okay, high point yeah, is. Yeah, yeah. It is right next to there. And it's about 13 k's from Melbourne City. So, yeah, not far from the city at all. It's a um, mm. pretty inner city, I would say. Yep. So I think one thing that I should point out before continuing on with the rest of the story is uh, that Fred was very much a UFO enthusiast. Now, at the time, I think 70s is kind of peak UFO hysteria. I kind of feel like that's where it started. I feel like there was a lot more sightings around that time. Okay. Than there were before or have been since. Is that when all those crop circles were happening as well? Or? I am actually not sure what year the crop circles thing mm. happened. Didn't that end up being proved to be a hoax? Yeah, they were all hoaxes. <laughs> Honestly, kind of disappointing. <laughs> I would love for that to be true. Are you looking up when... Crop circles was the 1980s. Okay. I think Close Encounters of the Third Kind came out in the 70s. Okay. And I think that that was, yeah, very much peak UFO sightings. I do believe it was like... In the second half of the 70s that that movie came out, but I could be wrong. Ooh, just to go off topic here, there were three known incidents of crop circles before the 20th century. One way back in 1678. Wow, okay. Hmm. So when people think they're being original, they're actually not. <laughs> However, not considered to be historical precedent as it was noted the stalks in the 1678 event were cut rather than bent. Hmm. 
So probably someone just came along and stole some crops. Right, okay. <laughs> okay, anyway, that makes some sense. Before we go on a tangent about crop circles, which were a hoax. Yeah. <laughs> back to I'll, Fred. I'll keep going about Fred. I don't know, like, I when I read that, I think people use this for, like, the basis of disclaiming what he said. Yes. Going back to, as I mentioned the other week, where when you're desperate, when you truly believe in something and you want it to be there and you're looking yeah. for it, you will find it. I don't know if I buy that. He was obviously obsessed with flying. Wouldn't that just be an extension? UFO doesn't actually, like, need to mean aliens. It doesn't, but it could also be that maybe his fascination with UFOs spurred him into a career in aviation. I mean, that's also fair. I hadn't thought about it that way. Mm. His father was also very much into UFOs. And I couldn't find a credible source for this, but it was mentioned a couple of times that his mother had at one point claimed to be abducted by okay. a UFO. Family history of alien abduction. Maybe his father's obsession with UFOs is what spurred him into wanting to be a pilot. Mm. I'm not sure. I think there's definitely some family influence there about UFOs, though. Yeah. So I'm not sure that that means he was ever hoping to one day have an in, like encounter or that he believed in aliens, but I think it may contribute to what people think about what happened to him or like come to the conclusion about what happened to him, Yeah, if that makes sense. I really feel like that fact, because it was well known, kind of did influence how people think about this, but I'm not sure because there's a lot of possibilities. I feel like I'm getting ahead of myself, so I'm going to go back to the night that it happens. On the it was evening- a dark and stormy night. <laughs> It wasn't, actually. It was the exact opposite. So <laughs> The sun was up, actually. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, so on the evening of October 21st, 1978, Fred was planning on flying from Melbourne to King Island. This is not a long flight. No, I've done that flight. How long did it take you? Um, I'd say from liftoff to touchdown in a Saab 340, which is a twin prop. Okay. Well, Rex flies them for people living in Australia. I think we were in the air probably no more than 30 minutes. Okay, well, it was going to take Fred a bit longer than that. He was in a smaller plane. <laughs> he was in a smaller plane. Yeah. He was intending to use a Cessna 182L, which might make more sense to you than it yeah, does to so me. Yeah, a Cessna 182, pretty standard single piston Cessna plane. So what I have is that it's a light aircraft. It only has four seats and has a single engine. Correct. If you ever played uh, Microsoft Flight Simulator... <laughs> It's pretty much the standard Cessna. You can't retract the gear. If you look up one, you'll go, oh, yeah, I've seen that plane before, probably. Right, okay. They're very um, they're very popular. I mean, they're still going today, yeah? Oh, yeah. So Fred had attempted to make this flight one time previously, but the weather conditions prevented him as he only had a class four instruments rating. Now, I asked you if you knew what that was before. Yes. <laughs> but from my understanding, it basically means that... Because he was an inexperienced pilot, that he could only fly during certain weather conditions? Yeah, so how it typically works is when you start, I mean, this is more a question for a pilot than yeah. myself, but initially you learn how to fly visually. Yes. So from what I understood about the class four is that you had to, you couldn't rely on other instruments when yeah. flying. That it so, had to be completely visual. Correct. So if the you're problem, the lowest class. Yeah, so the problem with, I mean, it's a Cessna 182. He's not going to be able to go over 10,000 feet because it's not pressurized aircraft. Okay. So you run out of oxygen, you get hypoxia. Bad news. Yep. So you can't fly very high, which also obviously limits your options when there's bad weather. Mm -hmm. uh, flying through cloud is one of the worst things you can possibly do as a pilot. I know planes do it all the time. You've probably been on a plane before when it goes through a cloud. Yeah. The reason why big aircraft can do it is that, one, they're a lot bigger, so yep. they're more stable of a flight platform. And then two, the pilots on board have really high, like they have proper instrument ratings, meaning they can fly by the instruments on their control panel. They're yes. qualified to do it. They know to trust them. They know what to read off. 
Yeah, Typically, that- what happens if a VFR pilot ends up in cloud? You've got about 90 seconds or so before they're at risk of crashing. Right, It okay. does not take long for a pilot to get disorientated. Okay, I am going to talk about that mm. a bit later. Um, also, bigger planes have weather radars on yeah. the front of them, so they know if they're flying into a potential thunderstorm and will not go in. Yeah, the thing I read about the class for instrument rating, um, they said that he wasn't allowed to rely on things like radar. Yeah. So... Yeah, so, I mean, I think that does sort of uh, also lends to the fact that he wasn't experienced. However, on October 21st, the weather conditions were good. It was clear with no wind, and he was only planning on making a 90-minute flight. So, all seemed to be going to plan until he reached Cape Otway, where he contacts air traffic control. Now, there is an actual audio recording of this, and I was initially planning on including it. I think I even said it last week. But... Since I've done some further research, I've decided to not include it. Apparently, the reason why we actually have access or that you can find the audio recording is because it was released to the family so that they could hear his last words. And I kind of feel like it's a bit disrespectful to include it, yeah, like to his family. So I've decided to not include it. If you really want to hear it and you're confident you have really good Googling skills, you can find it. But what, what I think we're going to do is I think we're going to read out the transcript instead. And I don't think you get anything... I don't think you're going to get anything more from the actual recording. Yeah, that makes sense. I am, however, going to include the final 12 seconds because there are no voices. And I think it'll help people make up their own mind about what they think happened. It's just a bunch of weird noises. (laughs) I was thinking we should read out the transcript now. Okay. I'll also say I don't know exactly what the airspace was like back then in the 70s Mm. around Melbourne. Uh, Certainly these days, the heights that he'll be flying at, he would have been a VFI aircraft flying in predominantly uncontrolled airspace. So not in direct control from an air traffic controller and not being actively separated. Uh, but by all means, they can still call and they obviously monitor the radio. Yeah, I don't think that he was um very high. I think I heard like a thousand feet at some point. Ooh, it's quite low, but yeah. As I said, he can't go over 10,000 feet in a Cessna 182. Yeah. The plane itself might actually be able to do it. I don't so know the actual I ceiling don't, of it. So yeah, I don't but think- you'd need an oxygen tank with you to do it. Right, okay. Well, I, I don't think that he was necessarily in contact with air traffic control for any other reason apart from this, what we're about to tell you. So have you got the transcript? I have it here. So Fred Valentich is flying a Delta Sierra Juliet. That is his call sign by the looks of it. Yes. Do I, do I have to say that? Because it says it a lot. It does say it a lot. That <laughs> it, officially, yes, you must read out your full okay. call sign, but you don't have to. I was going to say, for the purposes of this, I don't think that we need to say it. Because I figured what we would do is that you would be the air traffic controller and I would be Fred. Uh, correction, I'm actually flight services in this situation. I'm sorry. So flight Whatever. service is... <laughs> air traffic controllers do it now, uh, but flight service at the time was essentially the guys who looked after VFRs and people flying around on controlled airspace, essentially just providing them updates on things like local weather at certain places, what was going around, if there was any known traffic in the area kind of thing. And that's exactly what Fred is calling them for because he wants yes. to know if there is any no traffic in the area. Okay. So I guess I start then. Yeah. Um, Melbourne, this is Delta Sierra Juliet. Is there any known traffic below 5,000? Delta Sierra Juliet, no known traffic. IM seems to be a large aircraft below 5,000. Delta Sierra Juliet, what type of aircraft is it? I cannot confirm. It is for bright, it seems like landing lights. Okay, this part's in brackets. The statement affirms to the pilot that the person on the ground heard his transmission, so he knows we can hear him, I guess. Yeah, right. The aircraft just passed over me at at least 1,000 feet above. Delta Sierra Juliet, roger, and it... Is it a large aircraft? Confirm. Uh, unknown due to the speed it's traveling. Is there any Air Force aircraft in the vicinity? Delta Sierra Juliet, no, no aircraft in the vicinity. Uh, I, I will say, you know, there are airfield bases at Avalon, 
mm-hmm. which is down near Geelong, I believe. And there is another one in West Sale, which is just on the other side of Melbourne. So not unlikely there could be aircraft military around. Um, just for point of reference, uh, Cape, what would I say, Otway, is uh, the most southern point of Victoria. Mm. Just to give you some geographical point of reference. Melbourne, it's approaching now from due east towards me. Delta Sierra Juliet. That's just him acknowledging the call. Right, okay. So he's not saying anything. He's just letting, letting Fred him know, know that, that he's heard, he's heard the call. It. Right, okay. It seems to me that he's playing some sort of game. He's flying over me two, three times at a speed I cannot, I could not identify. Also note there that he left the microphone open for two seconds before speaking, which is a bit unusual. Okay. Uh, how these work is if the it's really only one person can transmit at a time. Right, okay. So you're not meant to do that because it means you're hogging up the line for someone right. else. Right. Okay. Well, I didn't know that either. Mm. Interesting. Uh, down to Sierra Julia, Roger, what is your actual level? My level is four and a half thousand. Four, five, zero, zero. Uh, Delta Sierra Julia, confirm you cannot identify aircraft. Affirmative. Delta Sierra Julia, Roger, standby. Melbourne, this it's not an aircraft. It is. And then he leaves the microphone open for two seconds again. Duration message is three seconds. No information appears to be removed from the tape. Ooh. Delta Sierra Julia in Melbourne, can you describe the uh, aircraft? As it's flying past, it's a long shape. And then he leaves the microphone open for three seconds again. Mm-hmm. So you're saying that's odd, like you shouldn't be doing that? Well, I mean, if he's got more to say, then it's fine. He's probably hoping no one cuts him off, but it's okay. a bit rude. <laughs> okay. <laughs> the thing is, if he does drop the mic, someone else is likely to butt in. Right, okay. So, but I can't imagine there's that many aircraft. Yeah. It's the 70s. Cannot identify more than that. It has such speed. It is before me right now, Melbourne. Tell us who Juliet, Roger, and uh, how large would the uh, object be? Melbourne, it seems like it's stationary. What I'm doing right now is orbiting, and the thing is just orbiting on top of me also. It's got a green light, sort of metallic, like it's all shiny on the outside. And green lights are very common on aircraft. So from what I understood, always... there's like a landing light mm, or something? Not the green one. The green... So each wing will have a green or a red light on it, and then... I, I, I did learn this, but I've forgotten it because it's not entirely relevant to what I'm doing. But the green light is always on the same side of every aircraft, and the, and the red light's always on the same side of every aircraft. Right, so that okay. when you look at an aircraft at night, you know which side is left and which side is right to tell you which way it's going kind of thing. Okay. Port and starboard is the correct terminology there, just like a boat. Uh, typically, white lights are underneath and they're used for their landing. Mm-hmm. And then there might also be a red one on the tail. Okay. Again, just Delta Sierra Juliet, just acknowledging Fred's call. Um, it, it's just vanished. Delta Sierra Juliet. Again, just acknowledging the call. <laughs> okay. Uh, Melbourne, would you know what kind of aircraft I've got? It is a type of military aircraft? Question mark. Delta Sierra Juliet, confirm uh, aircraft just vanished. Say again. Delta Sierra Juliet, is the aircraft with you? It's uh, now approaching from the southwest. Delta Sierra Juliet. The engine is rough idling. I've got it set at 23, 24, and the thing is coughing. Delta Sierra Juliet, Roger, what are your intentions? My intentions are... To go to King Island. Uh, Melbourne, that strange aircraft is hovering on top of me again. It's hovering and it's not an aircraft. Delta Sierra Juliet. Okay, so that's the end of the transmission, basically. So I guess in summary, he's claiming that there is an aircraft that he can't identify. He doesn't know what it is. It doesn't look familiar to him. And it's hovering above him. Yeah. It kind of seems to me like it disappears and comes back a few times. And I've seen people describe that as as if it was toying with him. It could be. Uh, I mean, if it is a military aircraft, it could just be like that would explain why it's out. I mean, he's in a Cessna 182, okay? They can only do 269 kilometers an hour. They're not super fast in terms of aircraft go. Yeah. So, I mean, if it's a jet thing flying around above him, that's kinda... It would seem fast in comparison to him, yeah. is what you're saying. Also, keep in mind, he's flying... The Cessna 182 is a high-wing aircraft, so it the wings obstruct anything above you. It's very hard to see what's above you 
Right, okay. From the cockpit of these That planes. I had not read at any point, so yeah. that's interesting. Okay, so I'm going to insert the final 12 seconds, just so you can hear what um, what they heard. In the transcript, it describes it as a 17 seconds of open microphone, and a yes. very strange pulse noise is audible during this transmission. I would describe it as it sounds like metal on metal. It's a very odd sound. I don't know if I've ever quite heard anything like it. And I don't know, it's just all around kind of weird. Okay. He, um, he did note that his engine is playing up though, so it could also just be the sound of his engine kicking the bucket, but hard to say. It's not. I feel like it's not loud enough for that. Well, I mean, he's recording from inside the cockpit on his headset microphone, so the engine noise is mostly outside. But I do feel if that was the case, then it's likely... Uh, expert from the aviation industry would have heard it before and should be able to identify it so but i mean yeah there's nothing that i read that said it sounded like an engine dying (laughs) basically see having just listened to it i don't know i think i am more inclined I mean, it could be again, because I'm expecting to hear my theory of an engine stuttering. Yeah. And I feel like you could make the assumption based on that, that it is a, I mean, it's a piston engine, right? And it's spluttering and coughing. He said that could be what it sounds like as it's dying from the inside of his cabin, recorded on a microphone from the 70s. I don't know. It it, it just, it sounds, re- I, I guess to me, a person who doesn't really know anything about airplanes or uh, mechanics of any kind, it sounds weird to me. Um, or it could even be it, the engine flooding or something or choking. It did sound a bit odd, but... Because I always feel like when people play that audio that they're trying to imply that... That's the abduction happening? Yeah, basically. Or that, you know, the craft has collided with his, but it doesn't sound like that to me. If it collided, that would just cut out quite abruptly. Yeah. I don't think that would happen. Plus, I feel like the noises would be very different. It'd be like an abrupt sound. Yeah. Not like something that goes on for nearly 20 seconds. Yeah. I will go through one of the theories that might be an explanation. It's a pretty far out one, but might be an explanation for that noise. But I mean, I'm really interested to hear what other people think of that audio. Mm. Like what your theory also is. Also worth noting at this time is that aircraft surveillance was not very good. So you had radar around the country, but it was only primary radar. So they'd pick up a blip on like the radar screen you see in like submarine movies kind of thing. They use yeah, a very yeah. similar one. But they still have that at Melbourne. It's used as supplementary to other systems now, obviously. Yeah. Um, but the primary radar only at Melbourne only has a range out to 100 nautical miles. Right, okay. We should cover him. But also you need to have direct line of sight to it. So if he's too low at 1,000 feet, it's quite likely he's not even well, on the radar. I got that wrong. He actually did say that he was at 4,500. Okay. Again, though, it could still be too low relative to where the radar is right, for him okay. to be picked up. Additionally to that, I'm fairly certain flight services did not have direct access to the primary radar. Okay. I'd have to double check it. But typically flight service is sitting in front of a bunch of strips that just tell them where the, last, the aircraft have last reported being in kind of thing. Would it be like a case of if something suddenly disappeared that they would know? Only I mean, if it was on radar and someone was watching it. Kind of thing. Um, If it's out there in procedural airspace or non-surveillance airspace where everything is done based on what the pilots are reporting them and them doing hard math in their head Mm -hmm. to like work out estimates of where the aircraft should be. Right. No, if the aircraft disappears, you won't know until it doesn't report in at the next... Right. Because how it works is the pilot will say, Qantas 642, position, Gugab, 49, I'm maintaining flight level 220, next APOMA time, whatever their estimate is. Okay. If they haven't reported by three minutes of that estimate, that's when someone makes a call to ask where they are. Yeah. And if there's no response then, something's gone wrong. Okay. Could be something as harmless as the radio's died. Could be the plane's gone. 
But I guess it becomes a thing if the plane doesn't arrive when it's meant to. Then it's a... Yes. Something bad happened. Now, he would have been flying VFR by the sounds of it. I don't know what that means. So it's visual flight rules. So he's not in controlled airspace. He's flying just on his basic vision. Yeah. Which means he's got... He's not reporting his positions to anyone as far as... This is how it works now. I don't know how it worked back then entirely. I was going to say, there's nothing that is I can see ever reported of him cont- contacting anyone prior to what we just read out. Which makes sense if he's flying visually. Yeah. The only thing that would have happened would be he would have submitted a... What's called a star time or a search and rescue time for his arrival at King Island. Mm-hmm. And if he hasn't checked in by that rough arrival time, that's when someone goes looking for him. Right. That's certainly how it works now. Again, I don't know exactly when that became a thing. We're going to go over that. So after that final 12, 12 or, well, I think it's about 16 seconds Mm. um, of recording, the line goes dead and Fred doesn't ever arrive at King Island. Shame, Uh, because King Island has some great cheese. (laughs) It certainly does, but I'm not sure that that's what he was going for. Because he, obviously, they were already aware that something was going wrong with Fred or his aircraft or whatever was happening, search and rescue begin looking for him fairly quickly after he doesn't arrive. So he was meant to arrive at 7.30. He doesn't arrive. Yep. They look for him, but they don't ever find any sign of him or the plane. Nothing. Hey, he went down in the Bass Strait, is it? Yeah, <laughs> which we're also going to talk about. Um, it's not exactly a super calm piece of ocean. No. I don't know. Like, there is a part of me that goes, well, they were searching. They knew. They knew something was wrong. They knew that he didn't arrive. They started looking for him fairly quickly. You would think that there would be something apart. So a Cessna 17, sorry, Cessna 182 has a wingspan of 11 meters. Mm -hmm. It's not a very big aircraft. I think standing up, I'm taller than them. (laughs) Okay. They're not huge. And then I don't know the length of it, but, you know, it's not that long. So it is a tiny, tiny little aircraft. So you think it would just sink? Not that... It would necessarily just sink. You're looking for a needle in a haystack. Right. Think about how much difficulty they had just trying to find Malaysia Airlines. <laughs> yeah, that's okay. True. That, that's true. Granted, that's a bigger plane in a much bigger ocean, but you know, small plane, probably white in the water. It's not going to stand out too much, unfortunately. Plus, it's the 70s, so I'm not sure how good search and rescue equipment is at that point. Yeah, they would have just been. They would have been doing it by flying in a plane. Mm-hmm. It was before the Westpac helicopter existed, I imagine. Uh, they would have been flying around in a plane, just zigzagging basically across where they expected them to be. From what I read, it was um, by air and by sea. Yeah. And if you're in the ocean itself, it could just be on the other side of a wave. You're not going to see it. Yeah, that's true. And if you're above in the air, that's a lot of ocean to look at. Either way, they didn't find him or the plane or any part of it or anything like that. Because the aliens took him into space. <laughs> there is. There is. Look, this, this way. Uh, <laughs> uh, so five years later, so it's a long time, part of a wing flap washes up on the shore of Flinders Island, which is not near where he went missing, by the way. Well, you know, wreckage from the Malaysian Airlines flight turned up in the Seychelles. It's on the other side of the ocean. I mean, that's true. Currents do shit. So it was only part of the wing flap. So they couldn't identify all of the serial number on it. But the ones that they could identify, they thought it could potentially be part of Fred's plane. However, it's generally accepted that it wasn't. Okay. Um, so apparently that part of the plane quite commonly just comes off. Nice. <laughs> Which is alarming to me. But apparently there were a number of planes that reported losing that part during a flight. So it's generally accepted that it could have been any one of those and not Fred's. I guess it's kind of like the, the probability is low. But yeah. not zero, if that makes sense. Okay. Okay. Now we're at the fun part. 
the theories. This is probably my favorite part. Of course. <laughs> so I'm going to go from most logical to least. I want to leave you with something fun and not, you know, boring, basically. Okay. So I've got five theories for you. I mean, I know which one CJ is going to pick, but whatever. <laughs> so first theory. It's at the bottom of the sea. <laughs> So the first theory, well, no, this isn't necessarily about what happened to the plane. I mean, I think people kind of generally accept that the plane's probably in the bottom of the sea, but it's more about what actually happened to him, what happened during that flight. Oh, okay. Yeah. So theory number one, basically it's that Fred was a shit pilot and he crashed. Yeah. He had attempted to join the Air Force, but had been rejected. Um, and he'd also sat the license for a commercial f- flying license and failed multiple times. He was generally not a great pilot, which is, I feel kind of bad for him. It seems like it was, that was his dream. That was really what he wanted to do. And he was not being super successful at it. He was uh, also quite nervous about the flight to King Island because he hadn't flown over water before. Um, he'd even asked his girlfriend to come with him because he was that scared and he didn't want to go alone. Bit of an awkward thing to do. Guess it's like a private flight, right? There's no no, no reason why she couldn't have gone with him. I know, she said he, no, though, so yeah, well, uh, good if, for her. <laughs> would you go with a guy who's like, I'm nervous about this flight. Will you come with me? Yeah, I'd be like, uh, no way, I don't want to if die If they're today. a passenger on another <laughs> flight, sure, whatever, I'll go with you. But if you're the one flying the plane, mm. no. Yeah, so... Uh, <laughs> Did you not have any pilot friends? I mean, I don't know. I don't know. But um, there actually isn't a lot of support for this theory, though. Mm. And I think, the, I think the main reason that people don't support that theory is because what I've already mentioned, that the search started relatively quick, quickly and nothing was found. But, I mean, there is explanations for that. I think the thing is, is that, like nothing has come back there is that wing flap but apparently um that was ruled out pretty quickly to not be from his plane because it was still in really good condition it had been five years it had been five years Mm. so the fact that i guess the thing is there's no proof of that like there's nothing to say that that's what happened but again in all these theories that's the case (laughs) like there's no we'll never know because there was never a wreckage but i think people do find it suspicious that there was nothing not any parts at all that were ever found or his body Mm, i mean what about amelia Earhart? what about her no one's ever found her plane never found her body no yeah you know i subscribe to the fact that it's sitting off the coast of bougainville and she was eaten by crabs but maybe once they get their independence they can let someone in to check but you know (laughs) we'll see like, I, I just, I, I don't feel how it's odd that if a plane goes down to the ocean, we don't find anything of it. It's a huge fucking ocean and a very tiny that. plane that would fit in this room pretty much without the wings on it. I mean, I get that. And I'm not saying that that isn't the case. Mm. I think it's a strong possibility and probably the most logical conclusion. Zay was a shit pilot, had didn't have enough experience, and he crashed. Mm. It it also doesn't really explain his call, though. That he's seeing things. Yeah. Mm. I mean, he could have been... He might have just thought he was... Maybe there was another plane up there that didn't know he was there. Again, we'll, we'll never know. And he was answer. getting distracted by it, and he's only tilted his plane, he's put it into a stall, and he's buggered. It's possible. Could have been a mechanical failure, and he wasn't paying attention, because he was mentioning his engine was playing out weird. Again, possible. On to theory number two. Mm. This one, I'm not quite sure how this would happen. Again, I'm not a pilot, so... I don't know if this is a thing that could happen. The lights that Fred seen were actually his... So he somehow managed to get the plane upside down without realizing it and that the lights he was seeing were from his own aircraft reflected from the ocean. Yeah. But apparently this theory is pretty easily ruled out because of the aircraft. Apparently the Cessna wasn't designed for that kind of flying and probably would have crashed before he could finish the call to air traffic. Yeah, I don't think you'd be able to do that very easily. So it's a theory. (laughs) 
I guess, but I think it's pretty unlikely. I don't know how you would end up upside down without noticing. Again, if you're flying visually, he could have gone through a small cloud or something, not thinking much of it. Mm. And that's when it happens. Okay. All right. Fair. But yeah, uh, apparently it is like the Cessna would have crashed before. Like he wouldn't have lasted the seven odd minutes that 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 call was. Yeah, no, I can't see that happening. So you're, you're saying theory number two, out, not possible? I wouldn't say not possible. I'd say... Uh, like it could have been his lights were reflecting off maybe a cloud or something. I know they said this weather was clear, mm-hmm. but you know there could have been a cloud or something or something else that was reflecting off that he was getting disorientated by. Yeah, that could be a case. Um, the upside down part probably not. Yeah, again given the aircraft. Okay, well theory number three is actually quite similar in a way that he somehow went into a graveyard spiral. Do you have you heard of that before? Not in that terms, but. I can imagine what it would be. He's fucking stalled the aircraft and it's spinning out of control. So I actually hadn't heard of this before. I mean, I'm not like a a plane nerd or anything. So, but apparently it's when a pilot loses their visual reference of the horizon and they get disorientated. Yeah. Which is when you need to trust your instruments because they have a little thing in there that tells them it's an artificial horizon. It tells you what your role and bank is basically relative to where the horizon is. So yeah, apparently when they lose reference of the horizon, it... Basically sends the plane into a spiral. Spiral downways, which is not what you want. (laughs) Yeah. So more often than not, a graveyard spiral results in an aircraft crashing nose first. I mean, I think it says it in the name. It's not a good thing. You don't want it. I mean, the plus side, because of the G-forces he probably got subjected to on the way down in the spin, he probably was passed out or dead before he hit the ground. Well, I mean, could have hit the water, so... Whatever, yeah. (laughs) From that height, the water's probably just as bad as the ground, you know? Pretty much. But, I mean, this theory could be possible, but it's generally a result of bad weather or poor visibility, which wasn't the case that night. Okay. So, possible, but unlikely, I think, is where we're landing on that one. Yeah. (laughs) Again, not a pilot, so I don't want to say that I know for sure, but possible, not overly likely. This is where we start to get to the really fun theories. Theory number four, that Fred faked his own death or committed suicide. I think it would be weird if he was committing suicide to call up on ATC. Yeah. Fly he's out a, and go. His friends and family don't think it's likely either. He had gotten engaged literally the Friday before. Making it even weirder that he would be yeah. faking his own death. I'm not a big fan of that based um, on that. So... I, I I don't know. I don't I I don't know if I really buy this one either because he sort of seemed like he had plans. Like it, it didn't really seem like the person who was intending on disappearing within a week. If that makes sense. Yeah. However, the faking his own death does hold some weight because he wasn't planning on going to King Island, even though he told everyone that. Okay. So King Island's airport was unmanned. I don't know if that's still the case now. It's not. There is a little a little bit of stuff there, but it's not a lot. It's uh, <laughs> like the terminal is one building. Yeah. It's one it's room a with small some toilets. It is tiny, yeah. Um, so it was unmanned. And especially in the evening, you needed to call ahead and plan your arrival to make sure that someone was actually there. This is probably going back to when they, for runway lighting, they probably were using like lanterns. What I read is that you lamps. needed someone there to literally turn the lights on for you. Yes. <laughs> uh, that is so. still the case at airports today, especially like small ones in the outback. And it could be someone just going out there with their Ford Ranger and turning on all their headlights. <laughs> or it could be setting drums of oil on fire. Oh my God. Okay. <laughs> um, at more developed airports that again may not need crew 24 7 you can actually call up on the automated system and turn the lights on yourself from your plane <laughs> right, okay 
So, I mean, I think that that's pretty suspicious that he didn't call ahead to King Island. I guess there is the possibility that he just um Again, he's not, he's not an experienced pilot either. Yeah. He's never flown there before. He no. may not have checked. So he yeah, either may not have known that that was something he had to do or he could have forgotten, yeah. I suppose. Where did he tell everyone he was flying to? No, he told everyone he was going to King Island. But okay. the suspicious part is that King Island didn't know he was coming. So the other side of that is... Yeah, that's why you need to submit your flight plans properly, Fred. <laughs> His plane apparently had enough fuel to be able to fly 800 kilometers. Yeah. Okay. That is not how far King Island is from Melbourne. No, but planes will always fly with extra fuel. Is that just like a safety thing? It is. So pretty much it's a redundancy. You need to have enough fuel on board to either be able to... This is, again, something pilots have to worry about, nothing I have to contend with. Um, But essentially they calculate how much fuel they need to fly there. And then again, they need how much fuel to get to their secondary airport. Mm-hmm. Because in flight, something could happen at the other airport. Accident on the runway. Bad weather comes in, you know. You may not actually be able to land when you get there. So you need to have the fuel to either make it to another airport or have the ability to circle around for an hour or so, depending on the aircraft and how far you're flying and what the conditions are, till it clears up to allow you to land. Okay. So that's why planes will always fly with more fuel than they need. So that's not too weird. But even if he had to turn around and go back to Melbourne... Mm-hmm. Not 800 Ks. How far would it be? I don't know. But no, any of that. Like, that's that's, that's a huge amount. So where did it take off from in Melbourne, you said? Mm-hmm. So it was the 70s? Mm-hmm. So let's assume he probably took off from Essendon. Where's King Island? Way down there. And the airport's way down by Curry for memory. There it is there. King Island is from Essendon Airport, assuming that's where he took off, is 250 kilometers. So a return trip is 500 kilometers. So he had three kilometers 300 kilometers extra fuel. Probably a bit more than he needed, but again... But you still don't think that that's suspicious? I don't think it's too suspicious that he had a full tank of fuel on board. Like I okay. said, it's the 70s. The fuel is probably cheap. <laughs> well, he was, he was a Cessna 182, yeah? Yeah. Eh, that's still only half capacity in the tanks. It's got a range of 700 oh, really? kilometers. Because like, everything I read made it seem like that was like full capacity that he could pretty much fly anywhere with that. No. <laughs> Granted, again, it's the 70s. They've been updated. Maybe they're... F- Distances weren't as good back then. Maybe. But I'll let you know, the record duration for a flight is 62 hours. Mm. And that was performed in a non-stop flight. Sorry, 64 days and 22 hours. Right, okay. And that was performed in a Cessna 172, which is a slightly older aircraft. And that was back in the late 50s. Right, okay. Now, they were stopping and getting refueled from a truck that was driving underneath them kind of thing. But it's not like these aircraft aren't capable of staying airborne for a long time. Okay. Yeah. Well... Because he didn't tell anyone that he was actually going to King Island, or yep. he, was, he didn't tell anyone at King Island that he was going there, and because he had more fuel than he needed, air quotes, people kind of think that maybe he was just fucking flying off to somewhere else to start a new life. Mm. And that's why he made the call, to make it seem like he was going down, and then just fucked off somewhere else. I don't know if I buy that, though. Why would he ask his girlfriend to marry him a week before if he was planning on going missing? Because then it... Exactly. So you're saying this is actually a smart plan. Exactly. Because then people are going to be like, no way would he do that. He just asked his girlfriend to marry him. Mm. Boom. Accident. It's maybe he was thinking ahead. That's what he's done. He did it on purpose. <laughs> it would look weird that he would fake it. I think this is a little far-fetched. I don't. <laughs> okay. Well, okay. Maybe Fred is off living his best life somewhere else. I don't know. Problem then is, do you think someone else would have noticed a Cessna 182 landing. You would think, right? <laughs> but he, again, he could have flown it to a, another... Well, one, one thing the problem was is, pointed out... Even is if that... he flies it to another unmanned aerodrome and lands it, where are you going to hide your plane? 
Well, when I was reading about that theory, it was pretty like maybe he went to Tasmania because a lot of it is uninhabited. Mm. So you could just like fly, land somewhere in the fucking middle of nowhere where no one would have seen him. Ditch the plane. Tasmania, full of hills and forest. Yeah, okay. Have Apparently. Fun. Look, I don't know. Cessna like, 182 I... does not need a lot of space to land and take off, but it still needs to be flat and open. You can't just put it down. Oh, look, I'm sure there's somewhere in Tasmania that's flat and open. Come on. I have seen great footage of someone in a very similar aircraft landing in the middle of the jungle on like a little dirt strip. Well, there you go. It's possible. That I was looking at going, Jesus, where's this runway? And then he puts it down. I'm like, oh, that's fucking impressive. So, you know what would be cool? Remember that man we you told us about months ago now who's looking for the Tasmanian tigers? Yes. He finds Fred's plane. <gasps> Wouldn't that be a scoop? Fuck. Anyway. <laughs> so I guess it's possible that Fred's off somewhere else living his best life. I don't know. Theory number five is probably the most fun theory for me. Is that he was probed, witnessed a UFO and got abducted. What do you think? No? I'm, I'm going to give you more details than that, but no. first thoughts? No? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no. On the night that Fred disappeared, there were a few witnesses around the Cape Otway area that witnessed odd green lights in the sky. Mm-hmm. Possible? What, what? I mean, it's possible that that was whatever Fred seen. Yeah. This is really far out, and I don't know how I feel about this. One Adelaide farmer told some friends that early early the next morning after Fred disappeared, he was on his tractor when he saw uh, when he saw a large craft hovering over his property with a Cessna attached to it. I don't know how quickly news traveled in 1978. I don't know if he would have already heard that Fred had gone missing in a Cessna. Mm. And the other thing is that he never went to the media with that story. It's one of those things of he told friends who spread it. He didn't want to go to the media because he felt like he'd be ridiculed for it. So I don't, I don't know. I don't know about that one. It could be just a story. Or it could be that some Adelaide farmer seen something that he didn't quite understand. So the Cessna was being towed by another aircraft, Yeah. Said. And he said it was leaking oil or like fuel or something. And it was on the night of the day after. It was like really early the next morning. Like he was, you know, working and he's on his farm, on his tractor. And he looked up and seen a craft with the Cessna attached to it. Hmm. I mean, it could have been military practicing refueling, mid-air refueling drills. Possibly. Like that, but, okay. But we don't know. I mean, it's, mm. I think it's pretty coincidental if that story is accurate. Yeah. That he's like, seen who that is this the next fa- morning. Who is this farmer? Yeah. So I don't know if that's just like a story yeah. Or if it really was a man who was scared to be made fun of, so he didn't go public with it. Mm, I think that's a story someone's made up and spread. Possibly. The most credible witness the evening that Fred disappeared was a man named Roy Manifold, mm-hmm. who was taking photos of the horizon. So he was like capturing the sunset and he was taking these photos about 20 minutes before Fred flew over that area. So he took a series of like five or six photos. And in the last photo, when he developed them, there was something unidentifiable in the sky. Maybe it was Fred. It doesn't look like a plane. I'm going to show you the photo. <laughs> okay. um, <laughs> the negative has been studied because Roy actually thought when he got it back that it was an error in the negative. Okay. He's like, what the hell is that? That looks weird. Something must be wrong with this. They've actually looked at the negative and they've concluded that it wasn't an error in developing and that whatever the object is was definitely in the frame of the photo. Okay. I'll send it to you now. When I first looked at it, I thought it was a fly. Yeah. It kind of looked like to me that it was like a fly or like some other similar insect that had... Landed on his lens. Flown in front of the lens. But look at it closer. Mm. It doesn't look close to the lens. It looks like it's in the distance. Mm. Like it doesn't look close to the lens. If it was close to the lens, the fly would be bigger. There's nothing to say it's a fly. I get what you're saying there if it was like right on the lens. Like whatever it is, it's in the distance. I don't know. The more I look at it, the more I'm convinced it's nowhere near the lens. But I don't know what it looks like. I can tell you, it definitely doesn't look like a Cessna 182. No, it definitely doesn't look like a plane at all. 
I don't know. Like, honestly, I don't know what to think about it. It's an odd shape. It doesn't really look like anything. I can't think of something to compare it to. It doesn't really look like anything. Mm. And there's like a weird mark behind it. And I don't know if that's the cloud or part of it. Yeah, I don't know either. It's really weird. It's a weird photo. It could still be something on the lens, but... No, I don't think it could be. I'm more interested in this bit over here on the left. That looks weird to me. Like sort of midway in the horizon? Yeah, where it kind of looks like... I'm coming to point it out to you. I think you're talking about this. That also does look weird. I I don't know what that is. It looks really different to anything else in the horizon. It's very straight. Obviously, we're definitely going to share this photo so that you can see it. I'm also going to link it in the show notes if you want to see what it looks like. It's just, it's a really weird photo. The other thing that I don't think it's on the lens is because it was the last photo. You would think that if it was something on his lens, it would have been in all the photos. Not necessarily. Maybe it was a tiny bug that just landed on it, like a sandfly or something. It doesn't really look like that either. It's weird. It's a weird photo and I don't know what to think about it. Honestly, don't. I, don't. I don't know what to make of it. The more I look at it, the more it looks like it's far away in the sky. It's just a black blob. It is. It's, it's, a, it's a black blob. I don't know. Like It doesn't look like your typical UFO either or anything. You know, no disc shape, no any of that. Mm. I mean, he didn't describe it as that shape, though. No. He just said it was large. He didn't really say anything. I don't know. I'm still not convinced there isn't something wrong with the camera or the film. It's definitely not the film. They've ruled that out. I, I don't know. <laughs> I, I, I can't really come to like a conclusion about that. It looks weird. So the other part of the whole UFO abduction theory is that he went missing in the Bass Strait Triangle. Have you heard of that before? I have heard of that before because you've told me about it. <laughs> um, as you can probably put two and two together, the Bass Strait Triangle is supposedly Australia's Bermuda Triangle. It, it, exactly. Weird shit happens there. There are a number of these triangles around the world that people believe in. <laughs> Maybe we might we might do I might cover it eventually. I would like to point out that the most famous Bermuda Triangle ship, the Marie Celeste, was not actually in the Bermuda Triangle <laughs> at all. Okay, calm down. I don't I don't know how much weight this holds because Bass Strait. It's yeah, again what you said before, not the calmest piece of water. I dare say that this shit happens because it's not calm. Exactly. But. <laughs> Oh no, dangerous conditions lead to an increase in the amount of bad <laughs> shit that happens. Who'd um, have thought? <laughs> but there have been many in, like incidents in the past where you know aircraft where or ships have disappeared under suspicious circumstances. I can think of a few off the top of my head. I'm sure there's more that I don't know about. Harold Holt went missing in the Bass Strait Triangle. <laughs> sea? Yes, it is a sea. No, but what I'm saying is it's suspicious. He didn't just drown, I'm telling you. He drowned. <laughs> But yeah, the first like suspicious thing disappearing in the Bass Strait Triangle was in 1797. It's a long-standing theory. It's not a new one. Don't give me that side eye, okay? (laughs) Are you going to tell me about this thing or not? No, I'm not because like I might do an episode eventually. But I mean, basically, it's just a fucking triangle in the sea where weird shit happens. So the fact that he went missing in the Bass Strait Triangle kind of lends to that weird shit happens there. So maybe he was abducted. Why are you looking at me like that? He wasn't abducted. (laughs) I mean, that's all the theories. What do you think happened? Crashed. (laughs) Yeah, but why did he crash? Sounds to me like his plane had a mechanical failure and he dropped down. Okay, that's going to be the most boring conclusion I've ever heard. I'm sorry. Based on the audio you listened to me, what he said in his transcript and what happened, I think he's either flooded the engine or stalled it or he's had a mechanical failure and he's dropped out of the sky, hit the ocean, and then just been lost into the waves. The wreckage probably either sunk to the bottom of the sea or has ended up in South America or Africa or Antarctica somewhere. That's so anticlimactic. Well, look, I told you I was going to play skeptic. <laughs> well, tell me what you really think. I just did. Oh my God, okay. 
I don't know. I don't really know what to make of this one. Did he see something? I don't know. Do I think that if he did see something, was an alien? I don't know. I mean, probably not. But I don't know. That photo, it's a weird photo. It kind of does make me think that maybe there was something that he did see, whether that was, you know, from outer space or if it was some weird military thing. I don't know. Mm. Probably not the alien, but... <laughs> I don't know. I just think there's something weird going on with the, when the shot was taken. Not that there's something actually there. I don't know. Like, it's nothing that I can identify. Mm. Like, I can't look at that and go, oh, that's clearly this. My, my conclusion is that I don't know. Like, I genuinely don't know. I think that he think he's seen something. He definitely seemed like he was pretty adamant that there was something there. If he reported his level higher, I'd be inclined to believe hypoxia. But his last reported level is only four and a half thousand feet. Yeah. So I don't, Although, I don't think that's the case. He could still have fucked up and gone higher. That was his last reported level. I he guess. He could have been reading his instruments wrong. That's possible. Or Especially maybe. Especially because he read the level twice. That's a bit weird. Because it was quite a height above him. Maybe he went higher to try and get a better look at it and went too high. The problem is hypoxia is quite... That makes you sound drunk. He doesn't sound drunk. No. I'll tell you that. He sounds very normal. Yeah. Which is probably why it probably wasn't hypoxia. Just based on the aircraft. That should be, the level he reported he was at. What he could probably do in that aircraft. Okay. Now that I'm really thinking about it, here's a theory. Mm-hmm. Right. Both of his parents are UFO enthusiasts, right? They like UFOs. Okay. What if he made the story up... Because he was either planning to commit suicide or run off. So he just said that to like give them some closure. Maybe. Too far-fetched. Or maybe it was like a prank that went wrong. Maybe he wanted to like make the story up, give his folks something to talk about. And then he fucked up and ended up crashing anyway. Mm. Wouldn't be very good for his career though if it turned out to be a prank. I mean, I'm, I'm assuming that if it was a prank, he wasn't ever intending to get found out. Yeah. He was probably intending to land wherever he was going and then... You know, be like, here's the proof. I, I seen the UFO. I talked to whoever, wherever about it. But, and then it just like went awry and he crashed anyway by accident. I don't know. I feel like there is some link between like his parents being super into UFOs and his mum possibly being abducted. No? All that says to me is that he got brought up believing in UFOs. So, so like, of course he saw. So yeah, maybe he's seen something. Maybe it was just like another aircraft. But because he couldn't see it properly, he's like, oh, it's UFO. Yeah. There's just too many possibilities and like no answers whatsoever. <laughs> How satisfying. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I don't think we're ever going to know what happened to poor, poor Fred. But I dare say he's probably not alive now anyway. Well, actually, no. It's only 40 be. years ago. He'd be 60. Yeah. I'm sorry. I, I guess that's kind of like a, a disappointing ending that I can't tell you what happened, but it's a, still an unsolved mystery. So for now. Well, it'd be interesting. They can't find the Beaumont kids. I don't know if they're going to find his plane in the ocean. Hmm. And you know what they have found? What have they found? People breaching coronavirus lockdown. Oh, what a surprise. Oh, I'm so shocked. <laughs> Welcome back to another segment of Dumb Arrests. Dumb the arrests. only reoccurring feature on the show beside poop stories. <laughs> We haven't had a poop story in a while again. You have to rectify that. Weeks. So I got this from about three different articles written by two different people. Oh my god, okay. Uh, so a Ben Graham for news.com.au and a Benedict Brook who did one for news.com.au.au, sorry. And also one for the Daily Mercury, which I believe is Tasmania's newspaper. Tasmania, okay. Yeah. So... Some context for those not in the know. Melbourne, in Australia. Uh, we're currently under one of, if not the harshest lockdowns due to coronavirus worldwide. Lucky us. I know. So it, it's pretty simple, though. If you can work from home, you must. Between the hours of 8pm and 5am, you must stay home unless you're working. Or like you need to go to the hospital or something like that. Yes. You must have a permit on you when you're going to or from work. If you're caught going to or from work and you don't have your permit on you, you will be fined even if you have one at home. 
I don't need one because I'm working from home. But yeah. yeah. You can only leave your home to get essentials and for one hour of exercise a day. So I believe that you can only leave your house for one hour a day for essentials as well. So it's like one hour exercise, one hour shopping. Okay, so that makes fair because otherwise you'd be out for hours saying you just go to the shops. Fair exactly. enough. Uh, furthermore, you must not go beyond five kilometers or 16,404.2 feet for the Yanks and Liberians <laughs> out there. Uh, within reason. So, for example... Your local supermarket is more than five kilometers from your house and that's the nearest place you can go to get food. Yes, you can fucking go. Dan Andrews is not a monster. He doesn't want you to starve to death in your house and die. The thing is, though, if, you're, if, you're sh- if your shops are like more than 5k, just order them online. That is another option, yes. I just, I don't understand why people are so um, like weird about it. There are other options. You don't have to go to the shop. I think the people complaining about that are older people usually. I don't know. Can you imagine trying to get your grandmother to order food online? Oh, that'd be interesting. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> but even my nan, is, who's in New South Wales and not under these lockdowns, is getting someone else to do it for her. Fair enough. So, I mean, like, there are services for older people out mm. there who, if you feel like you're at risk, they will go do it for you. Obviously not for free, but it's not expensive. Yeah. I mean, Meals on Wheels is a thing that still exists. Yeah. There's, yeah, there's still options even if you are um, older or don't use the internet. Yeah. Most of our, all of our dinner basically comes from Dinnerly. Yeah, like all of our Which food gets like delivered to our thing. door. They deliver us the food with the instruction card, and then we just make it ourselves. Yeah, don't have to go to the supermarket. We just we just get everything delivered. It's not it's not that hard. <laughs> so yeah, so it's not complicated, right? And we live around the corner from like three Woolies <laughs> and twenty Coles. Yeah, <laughs> what two of them right across the road from each other? It's fucking weird. Anyway, but. sorry. If this global pandemic has proven anything, it's that people are fucking stupid and shouldn't really be allowed out of their homes on their own anyway. Yep. <laughs> so let's find out what happened in this first week. <laughs> the first week of stage four. So the most in-depth story I've got is uh, two women, a mother and a daughter. They were caught outside standing in public with a poster protesting like Russian politics or something. What? Is this really the time? Yeah, I don't know. And why are you doing it here in Australia? Look, no. You think I, Putin's going to see that I'm and not... go, oh shit, two ladies in fucking <laughs> Dandino or whatever don't want me <laughs> killing gay people. I'll stop. <laughs> I am not mad that they're protesting russian politics in any other setting i would say you know what you go you you yell about whatever you want i agree with being able to state your opinion in that way now is not the time however <laughs> wasn't that meant to be a protest today that was anti-mask and yeah anti-5G? so they're expecting about 400 people to turn up in melbourne uh to protest masks good basically. i hope they did and i hope they all get fined <laughs> yeah I, I, i'm actually really curious to find out what happened with that <laughs> maybe it'll be on next week's episode yeah. anyway so they're protesting russian politics and they claim they're doing nothing wrong and then they refuse to give police their id and said that they were just out for a walk oh god the event ended up being filmed by the daughter so you can actually go see the video of it and police said to them quote you need to take this seriously you will not be arrested if I can confirm your ID. And they also said to them, you are doing something wrong. You're out in contravention of the COVID restrictions. So they ended up getting arrested because they didn't show their ID. Um, yes, that's what will happen if you do that. <laughs> and not providing the details. At which point the mother tried to resist arrest. She ends up on the ground under three officers trying to arrest her, uh, <sighs> screaming that she was in pain. Well, I dare say you were. I, I believe you. To her credit, she got a... Fairly nice bruise on her arm, but it's not like it, it's a bruise. No, it honestly looks like a bad blood test kind of thing. You know, it's not. I'm laughing because I just read what happened at the uh, Freedom Rally. Oh, okay. It sounds like not many people turned up. Good. Six protesters have been arrested. Six. Is that the whole thing? 
Because typically they just go in and take out the leaders and then it diffuses the protest. Police also issued 27 fines for breaches. Mm. That's still not the 400 people they were expecting. Anyway, sorry. So they received the fine that those protesters also just received. Um, sorry. The guy who they arrested is wearing a mask. <laughs> he wore a mask to an anti-mask protest. Well, it's meant to be a freedom rally. So they're anti-lockdown. But I would have assumed that that meant anti-masks as well, but apparently not. Okay. Well, all those people have just received a $1,652 fine. And I heard someone saying it was going up. I don't know. I hope it is. And then they were released. So they didn't even get a jail. They were just like arrested, given their fine, and let go. <sighs> to put it in perspective, $1,652 Australian dollars is about 1200 US dollars. Mm-hmm. Or about a thousand euro. Okay. I feel like that covers most of our viewership. And then everyone else can probably already somewhat knows the value of their own country's currency in relation to the euro or the US dollar. So, another man was caught going to a convenience store to buy snacks. Look, I feel like I can relate to this man. At 2.30am. I mean, maybe do it earlier. I want to know what the convenience store was doing open at that time when there shouldn't be any customers around. I can only assume it must have been a petrol station. That's what I was thinking, because I would assume that petrol stations do stay open for people who are working overnight. Yeah. 51 people were fined for not wearing a mask. Idiots. Or a face covering. Including one man who not only was he not wearing a mask, he didn't even have one on him. I, I think so. Some of the people not wearing them just have them on them anyway. And he was over five kilometers from his house. Why? Reminder. $1,652 for every single one of those people. That's more money than I make in a fortnight. Sorry, that I take home in a fortnight. I, I wonder what this money's going to go towards. <laughs> what's, the, what's the Victorian government going to do with it? Three men and a woman. And a woman. And a and woman. A women. One woman <laughs> found eating McDonald's on a footpath during curfew. A, I... na- a, a Macca's. A Macca's nugget's really worth $1,700. No. I mean, like, look, I love some nuggies, but not that much. You can get them delivered. Yeah, I know. That's the other side. Like, just fucking get on Uber Eats. I know Uber Eats isn't great, but just do it. Go for the drive through Or that. Well, I mean, you're not allowed to be outside your house. I can only assume they must have gone in at, like, 7.30, gotten the food, and then just gone outside and sat down and eaten it. 55 people were caught outside after midnight. Doesn't say what they were doing. Just outside after midnight. Why are you outside after midnight anyway? Especially in the middle of winter. It's fucking cold. Yeah. 10 people were fined after being caught having a party at a West Melbourne Airbnb. (laughs) What idiots. They They definitely deserve it. One man... He was fined after being found traveling from Thornbury okay. to Werribee for a Why? haircut. For a haircut. For a haircut. Are 30... you trying to tell me that there was no hairdresser closer? 37 kilometers. It's, half, it's like halfway to Geelong, which is the next Why major Why would you t- even normally travel that far for a hairdresser? These are, I think people are just claiming this shit, right? Well, yeah, they're just saying it. that. They just, yeah, I, I get it. I get it. Yeah. Uh, several people have been caught visiting brothels. Maybe that's the only light in their life. I don't know. A Maybe broth- they're down and... A brothel's an essential service. <laughs> well, I mean, it depends on who you ask. Mm. One man breached curfew to feed his uncle's horses. Couldn't you have done that earlier in the day? Every- I mean, he did. He did it at 4am. There's a part of me that's like, do they usually eat at that time? But also, I'd- couldn't you have just waited an hour? Yeah. I-, I don't get it. Like, it's an hour. They probably would have survived. Another man was buying cigarettes at 9.30pm. Police also found a knife in his car. Yeah. A woman was arrested for driving to get a pizza. Again, you can get that shit delivered. Uh, no, the shop she wanted pizza from would not deliver to her. Then why were they open? I think she probably lived outside oh, the delivery range. she was like outside range. the area? Probably. Right, okay. that, that would be my guess. 
get pizza from a closer place. I, 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 there's no sh- shortage of pizza places. Or maybe they were closing earlier. They said, no, we're not going to deliver to you. She's like, oh, I'll just come get it. All right. Well, anyway. then they shouldn't have let her in. Like, that's just... Anyway. <laughs> Lastly, a 25-year-old Geelong woman. So they're not even in stage four in Geelong. They're still in stage three. So lesser than what we have here in Melbourne. Uh, she was arrested for not wearing a mask because you have to do that statewide at the moment. Uh, but not before she attacked the police. Oh, is this um, the woman that attacked that poor young police officer? Yeah, so from what I understand, it wasn't mentioned in this article, but I have heard this story where, from what I believe happened, from what I briefly read it a week ago, she attacked a young female police officer, put mm. her to the ground and smashed her head into the seal- ground a few times. She got a concussion. So much so that she got a concussion, yeah. Yeah. Who the fuck does that over a mask? I, I don't get the mindset, like, what do you think is going to happen? You're going to beat up both the police officers and get away with it? Yeah, like, I just, I don't know how, I don't know what you think you're going to get out of that, apart from Ooh. arrested. For a worse crime. Yeah, exactly. Now you get like, the fine it's... and you got to go to court for assaulting a police officer and you're going to have a really bad record. Yeah. And what was she, 38? 25. No, no, the woman that attacked her. 25. I heard that she was in her 30s. Oh, well, this is a 25-year-old Geelong woman who was arrested. I thought the police officer was like 25. I'm just reading what the article sorry. said. I'm sorry. I'm just getting confused now. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I thought I'd... I'm mean, already at the end of my story, so a really quick one here. We're near the end. Okay. But I thought I'd close out with a quote. Okay. From old Dan Andrews. Ah, Dan Andrews. I feel for you. He's trying his best. So Dan has this to say. The time for warnings was well over. There is no excuse. No one could claim they didn't know about having to wear a mask. No one can claim that traveling from one side of Melbourne to the other to get something you can get beaters from your home is acceptable. Seriously. Think, people. Deep down, you know you understand these rules. We all just got to make better choices. Yeah, no shit, Sherlock. Like, honestly, I don't understand people. I just, I don't. It's not that hard to just stay home. Mm. Like I said at the beginning, I don't think I've left the house in nearly three weeks. There is no reason for me to, so yeah. I haven't. Anyway, I've got 40 minutes before uh, curfew kicks in, so I'm going to go uh, <laughs> run around the streets screaming without a mask on. <laughs> just to, like, give more perspective about how fucking stupid people are about this whole lockdown. So we had a, a, a team meeting at work this week, like, you know, on the Monday just after the lockdown was like announced. The, the stricter lockdown was announced. Do you want to have a guess at what people from the team I work with, what their main complaints were about the lockdown? I don't know. They can't get kebab. <laughs> no, but they were so fucking petty and like the entitlement just angered me. So... My boss's boss was complaining pretty vocally because she couldn't get her lawns mowed at her holiday house. Get fucked. You can't even use it right now. Exactly. So that, that was like one of the very vocal complaints. And I'm like, how entitled do you have to be to have that be a major complaint in a fucking pandemic? Not to mention the grass <laughs> is going to grow back anyway. You can't go to the holiday home right now. So just let it grow all at once. And then you don't have to pay to get a cut once. It's winter. It doesn't even grow that much. The other major complaint was that someone really needed, needed, I say needed, wanted to go to Bunnings because they were looking for a specific pot and now they couldn't do it. Okay. You can go online. No, no, no. But he can't do that because he doesn't know which pot it is online. He needs to go and physically look at it. That does make sense. There's pictures. It's fucking stupid. There's pictures. <laughs> and like, I had to bite my tongue that entire meeting. And when they sort of asked me, because that was the whole thing is that they were asking everyone how it's affecting them. Mm. When they asked me, I'm like, doesn't really affect me that much. I'm just going to keep doing what I've been doing since fucking March. <laughs> like, mm. I don't know, just the entitlement, like such stupid things to complain about. Yeah, I feel. But they were both very mad about it. And I'm like, just fuck off. <laughs> 
There are bigger, more important things happening right now than your pot or your lawn at your fucking holiday house. It's the problem with <laughs> people who are brought up in a in, in a civil uh, in a culture, sorry, that was sort of prioritizes the individual. Yeah. Not the not, not the whole and like, yeah, it's it's But I've been raised in that same environment and even I can like logically look at that and say it can wait. Yeah. It's not going to hurt you. It can wait. I, for them they can't. It it's a pandemic. <laughs> I don't, they don't understand. Yeah, but they don't, they don't really think about others as a whole. It's <sighs> all about what's ill or inconvenient to them kind of thing. You know that article I was reading earlier today on Rolling Stone about the shit that's going down in America kind of thing. Mm. One of the things he put to it was that, yeah, post-war America was so focused on the individual rather than the community as a whole. That's why now they have such issues with people struggling to understand community health care and things like that. And that's why, you know, I saw this chain reaction of events that's spiraled out of control. Whereas you look at your more socialist countries and places where they put the many over the individual have usually handled coronavirus a bit better. Look at Vietnam. Yeah. They're great. They did what? 200 cases i think yeah it's i think it's just it's frustrating for me because i can logically look at it and go like that's stupid it is <laughs> it is just yeah. it's just it's very frustrating it, it's very selfish i was I really mean, struggling not to say shellfish just then <laughs> we're also like we're in 2020 there is probably not anything that you cannot get delivered to your house at this point yeah like we as a society have made it easier for us to not go places and that's likely that's gonna that's to be a I, thing. I reckon like coronavirus has sped up all of like that kind of thing like tenfold. I think people are gonna go shopping less and like work from home more. Like I think there's gonna be a lot of changes after. Yeah. I don't think the um, world will be the same. No, I, I definitely think we're at a bit of a turning point here, and I guess that's also again that article I was reading before. I linked it on my Twitter. Uh I really recommend you read it, it was quite interesting. But even in there, you know, it said that coronavirus, everyone's like, oh, we're a vaccine, they'll be fine, we'll get a vaccine. If a vaccine turns up, the fastest vaccine ever developed in human history took four years. Yeah. We haven't even gotten through eight months. Yeah. Yeah. When, when, okay, well, let's say coronavirus in Australia started in March, and we're now in August, so that's five months. Well, it was here before that, but it didn't become a real issue, and yeah. we didn't go into lockdown until March. Even in China, it hadn't started this time last year. The world hasn't had to deal with it for 12 months yet. No, like we're still, I think in the very early stages, like people keep calling this the second wave that we're having in Victoria. I think it's still part of the first one. Mm, maybe. I don't know. It's kind of hard to tell because. We'll know in hindsight. Yeah, that's true. I just, I think it's hard to tell because I think there's a lot more cases than we're aware of as well. Like I don't think everyone's going to get tested. And I think it's the same for the other states. I think their numbers are probably higher than they realize people just aren't getting tested. Well, they're getting all those weird cases in Sydney, where they can't, they don't know how, how these people are getting infected. That's you know? what I'm saying. Like, I think it's way higher than we probably think it is. Yeah. I, I feel not if, getting tested. if New South Wales is not careful and learns from what's happened in Victoria yeah. and does something immediately, like in the next week, yeah. they're probably going to spiral into a worse situation than we're in. Well, because Sydney's weird, like in the way that there's like, it's big, but people group together in areas. Does that make sense? Yeah. High population in areas. It's just, it's a little bit different to Melbourne. Like, I feel like it has the potential to be a lot worse than Sydney. Mm. I mean, I hope that doesn't happen, but... Yeah, I mean, we've both got lots of friends and family back there in Sydney. Well, yeah, we're um, both from Sydney, so we know <laughs> a lot of people that live there still. Yeah, this whole time where others, particularly Sydney's been making fun of Melbourne because, you know, Melbourne Sydney have a rivalry. There's still, there's, there's still potential for it to go horribly wrong. Yeah, and I think if they don't do something soon, you know, two, three weeks from now... They could be where I we get are. To say, I told you. Look. 
And the worst about coronavirus (laughs) is that it takes two fucking weeks to form. So it probably could also already be too late. That's also like the hard part, though. Like we put in these measures and stuff, but we have no idea if it's working until like three, four weeks down the track. Yeah. So current model predictions in Melbourne were that we hit a thousand new cases a day Mm. through till mid-August. For We'll have a week, which should be this coming week, of about 1,000 new cases a day. Mm. And then finally it will start to drop off. See, I don't even know. All the predictions have been wrong so far. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't know how much I buy that either. That, that's really the big problem with the coronavirus is that it takes two weeks to show its face. Yeah. And that and so many people, people are asymptomatic. asymptomatic. Yeah. Sorry, we just kind of went on a big rant there, but I, I felt it in my bones that it needed to come out. Yeah. <laughs> Plus, nothing else is happening in our lives, so we've got to talk about something. That's the other thing is that because there's literally nothing else going on, anything small that happens now is the biggest deal. Because, you know, I've had some other struggles with some other things in my life at the moment. Not a big deal. They seem like they're the biggest deal ever because it's the only thing happening. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It's um, it's an odd time. <laughs> if if we live through this... If. <laughs> I'd, we're I'd say we're it. going to. But, like, it, it, <laughs> if we see the other side of this, it's going to be interesting to look back on, I think. Like, say, in 10 years' time, we look back on that pandemic that happened. <laughs> Yeah. It's going to be... um Possibly on the other side of another world war. <laughs> Who knows? Who knows what's going to I happen. think certainly another depression. We're already at the start of it. I think it'll yeah. be around for a while. Yeah, it's going to be interesting next few years. I think the first half of this decade is going to be yeah, something quite else. a time. Yeah. Hopefully in the second half things get a bit more early 2010s instead. That'd be nice. I'm not going to... Late 2000s. Bet money on it though. <laughs> Late 2000s are pretty good. Yeah. We've kept people long enough. Yeah. So as always, if you have any stories you'd like to submit to us to cover on the podcast or give us any feedback at all, you can email us at fmedeadpodcast at gmail.com. And as always, you can follow us on Twitter at fuckmedeadpod to keep up to date of when any episodes releases and releases. Released. <laughs> and more. Oh, that was... Like pictures that we'll be sharing of the smudge on the camera. Uh, here we go. Uh, all this information and more will be available in the episode notes, and you can also find it on our website, fuckmedadpodcast.com, which has a list of ways you can listen to us, and you can listen to it directly from the website. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> Subscribe if you have the time and leave us a review, and tell your friends. Woo! <laughs> Such an enthusiasm. Next week... I'm doing a story on bestiality. Look forward to that question mark. <laughs> okay, well, <laughs> I'm just going to move straight on from that. Uh, <laughs> thank you for uh, hanging out this week. I hope that you find the whole uh, Frederick Valentich story as interesting as I do. Otherwise, you might have been quite bored. So I hope that wasn't the case. <laughs> and uh, we'll talk to you at the same time next week. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.